morning, today's daf is daf chof. Today's shir is for Rafu Shleimov of Yeshua Yitzchak Ben Shol Ruven Halevi. May his Shama have an aliyah and may his memory be a blessing. Um, we were at the first last line of Yutesimud Bay's 19b. Um, remember, we just we made we were discussing shame, and largely what we want to find out with shame is what's normal and what's abnormal. If it's normal for the animal to eat like that, then it would be shame and it'd be liable. If it's abnormal or unusual, then it could fall into the category of Karen. And one of the big differences between which category it's falling into, we'll actually touch on that a little bit more in today's stuff, is remember Shane is Potobishus Harabi. So if your animal eats something that's even, we said even, uh, even it would, it's a sort of thing that the animal would only eat under duress, um, in Rishus Harabim, you'd be exempt. If it jumps into someone else or walks into someone else's property and eats it, then you'd be hard, full damages. And if it's Karen, if it's or unusual, then you're going to be liable to full damages or not necessarily exempt in Rishus Harabim. So, who Hamra the Ochel Nahama Pasle Lesala, there was a donkey that ate, was eating bread and he chewed the basket as well. Rabbi Yehuda said he's liable to pay full damages for the bread and half damages for the basket. Wow, not normal for donkeys to eat baskets. But wait, once it's normal for it to eat the bread, it would be its way in its way to eat the basket as well. Again, the donkey's not going to be too careful if there's a, a loaf of bread in the packaging or whatever, it's going to just eat everything. So therefore, it should be liable to full damages on the plastic. I'm wondering, is that because of shame or because of regal? Kiur chai is generally the language we use for regal. I, it's a normal way for it to damage a basket when it's trying to eat the bed in it. I'm not, or is it shame because it's eating it and it's, in this scenario it's normal for it to eat the basket. I was wondering about that, but I think, I don't know, so no, the case here where why Rav Yehuda said it's only half damages for the basket, because as mentioned, it first ate the bread, managed to get just the bread out, and then it went along and ate the, chewed on the basket. <coughs> is it really considered normal for a donkey to eat bread? Even that's very unusual. It says, I'll show you from a contradiction. It says, If the animal eats bread or meat or a cooked dish, challenge, I think a tavshil, a mashalem chatsi nezek, he pays half damages. So what do we see here? And my love, but I am must be discussing an animal. And it says, if an animal eats bread, it's half damages. So why do you say full damages? It says, lo b'chaya. No, it's talking about a wild animal. Your pet wolf is not going to eat bread. It says, No, but if you're speaking about a chaya, it is normal for it to eat meat. Remember, in the same sentence we said if it eats bread, meat, or a cooked dish. So he says, No, it's where the meat was roasted. That's unusual. Oh, for Ibo, same alternatively, you could say, But Tavia, we're discussing a deer. A deer is not going to eat bread, and it's also not going to eat meat. So those would be unusual for it. We could be speaking about an animal, and we're discussing when it's on the table. It's where the animal jumped onto the table and ate the food. That's unusual. It doesn't matter really what the food is. That's unusual behavior. Uh, no? You, you grew up with dogs? No. <laughs> I've never, just never done that. Um, so, so maybe, yeah, maybe it's not so unusual for an animal. We're also going to have a, the next sugi, which also implies that to get food, animals don't have such inhibitions. So therefore, the rach wants to actually learn when we speak about put a patura here. It's actually what's patuta, which is a very dry bread that you normally only eat it by dipping it in soup. So croutons, patuta, maybe like pitas, yeah. Um, 
um, so like croutons that you'd only eat dipped in soup. So that's unusual for a for a behemoth to eat those, that sort of food. Okay, um, so that's the first. Just one very interesting thing that Rashi he touches on. What's it? By the way, like almost secretly, he doesn't tell you the question, but he tells you the answer. Um, Uh, yeah, is that Rav Yehuda, who paskened that it's half damages for the basket, lived in Babel, where, where they didn't judge Knassot. And remember, we learned Pal Deniska Knassa, half damages is a Knass. And remember, Dayonim in Babel aren't going to judge Knassot. You're going to have to either travel to Eretz Israel or not do it. So Rashi, he doesn't say the question, but he just says, the Tofas Niza, it must be a case where the Nizak grabbed something as payment. Because we don't judge Knassos in Babel, and it's Palga Nizka Knassot. Um, okay, and other Rishonim discuss this as well, but let's carry on. It says, There was a goat that saw a turnip on top of a Barrel, sorry, solid. So it, uh, what's it? Clambered up the side of the barrel on top of it. Ochle lifted a tavra ledana, and it ate the lefes, but it broke the barrel. So chayve rova lifted a dana nezek shalom. Rova says he's liable to full damages on both the turnip and the and the barrel. This is my time. Mekimen dulchol meicho lifted urchenami lesaruche ulemesalek. Since it's normal for the goat to eat um, turnip, it's normal for it to jump up and clamber up something, hop up on the barrel and eat it. So interesting here, again, we see, for a goat to just hop up onto a barrel might be unusual, but when it's to eat that is normal, that might be why they're not happy with Rashi Pshat, who said on the previous sukhya, it's not normal for an animal to jump on a table to eat. No, if there's food there that it wants to eat, it is normal all of a sudden and so to hear with this goat um, it would be normal. Omar Ilfa Ilfa says, What happens if you have an animal in a Rishus Arabim and it reaches its neck over onto the over the back of its friend, another animal? So now what's happened? Generally in a Rishus Harabim you exempt for shame. Yeah. But here you it's over the other animal's back. So he says, Chayeves, you liable, my time, eh? The back of its friend is like the Chotzer of the Nizak. Look, the following could be a proof. Let's suggest the following is a proof for him. If someone has the, their load slung over their back, and an animal stretched out its back and ate from it, he's liable. So we see this seems to be saying the same thing, that anything over the animal, over the person, is considered the Chotzer Adizak. Again, remember Shane, if the animal eats something in Rishus Harabim, it's exempt. But he's saying here where it's off the back, it would be liable. So not necessarily. You could explain it like Rava, it's where it, again, jumped up. And Hachanami, so to here, the case is where it jumped up. What do you mean by jumped up? So again, various different explanations that you have to analyze in Rishonim. What's the, it's interesting, like these things you would almost think take for granted, but the Rishonim have discussions and they have the underlying principle while they argue. Yeah. Would would determine how you would paskin and how you would understand and classify some of these damages. But according to Rashi, it's basically where the animal stands up with its forelegs leaning on the other animal and eating. That's the unusual thing for an animal to. That's that's unusual, and therefore, what when you high, if you actually high because of because uh, of care and not because of shame. And therefore, how much are you actually high of? Only half. But you are high of, unlike if it was regular shame. So it's Ava Hecha Itman to Rava. Where did Rava? Because if you notice, the Gomorrah's phrase was just as Rava said it's with Kofetzes, so to here we'll use that explanation and say it's with Kofetzes. So where did Rava explain the, what case was it where Rava said it must be a case where the animal did this act of Kofetzes? It says, Vahecha Itman to Rava. Where did Rava say this? So I just want to check something quickly. Um, 
on the following teaching of Reboshaya. If you have an animal in Rishus Harabim and it goes out and it eats, it's potur. If it's standing still and it eats, it's liable. Why are you exempt if the animal's walking along in Why are you exempt if the animal's walking along and it eats? But you're liable if um, that must be because that's normal, that's shame. And you put off for shame in Rishusarami. Well on the Nami it's also normal for an animal to stop on the street and eat. So you should also be exempt. So on my rovers must be the second case is Kofetzes. Um Yeah, sorry. Um, Rashi's shot on these two cases was where the animal standing on all fours and reaches its back over to eat. But we said that that's fairly normal. Um, as we saw above, it's normal for an animal to try eat food off something. It will even a goat will even jump onto something. So they're not happy with Rashi's shot. The other Rishonim and they're the ones who explain, like the, the others, that he's leaning his legs on the animal. In modern time, you've got a bucky, and you've got food in the back of the bucky, yeah. and the animal leans over to the bucky and eats. So, yeah, so if it just leans over and eats, that would be a machlokes rishonim, whether that's considered yeah. reg- normal or not. If it's normal, you'd be exempt if it's rishis arabim and chav is rishis ayochim. if it jumps into the back of the bucky? Well, well... And what would be if it jumps into the back of Baki? And what would be unusual according to the other Rishon if the Talad leans its forelegs on the side of the Baki or the rim of the Baki and eats from inside? That's unusual for an animal to do. Okay, boy Rabbi Zaira Rabbi Boy Rabbi Zaira Rabbi Zaira said, Miskalgel Mahu. What happens if it's Miskalgel? If it's literally moved? So Sahihitami, what's the case? What are we discussing? So Kakon the Kaima Ami Bishusayochid, the Komizgalgal Asim Rishusayochid Rishusarabim. You have this, I don't know, food in the Rishusayochid, and the animals moving it along and carrying it into the Rishusarabim. What's the halacha? I do we go after where it took the food from, which is Khatzar and Nizak and he's liable, or do we say now it's dragged it and it's sitting down and eating it in the Rishusarabim, so he's exempt. So Toshma Datani Rebichia Masui Miksasam Bifnimu Miksasa Bakhutz. If you have a load, half of its inside and half of its outside, Ochlo Bifnim Chayeves, if it eats its inside it's Chayev. For Shane, Ochlo Bakhutz Patur, if it eats it outside it would be Patur. My love. I see. It must be where the case is where the animal's drawing it towards him and eating. So I, if the animal's in Rishus Mizak inside, and it's eating this food, pulling it towards him, we're saying that there it's Chayav. If it's sitting in the Rishus Harabim and eating and pulling the food towards him and eating, it's Potur. We see you go after, you go after where it ate. It says, Lo, Ema Ochlo. No, don't learn like that. Ema, you can rather say, Ochla al bifnim, chayeves al betura. You could say, it ate what, from what was inside, you're liable, but from what was outside, you're exempt. So therefore, it doesn't, that seems to be, that, if you explain it like that, it would be going after what was inside or what was outside, not where it ate. So that's so. So you can. Ibo is aim alternatively. Kikama Rabbi Chia bepsila da aspasta. Where Rabbi Chia Rabbi Chia is talking about psila da aspasta, like a load, a wick of this aspasta, which is actually very long. Now, why does that make a difference? Because yeah, half in, half out, and it seems I struggled to get the case exactly, but it seems that the aspasta follows it automatically. Unlike, unlike a sack of grain, if you think about it, or you have a thing of a pile of grain, the animal eats in a, I mean, amount to a whole mouthful, but each grain is viewed individually. 
So what's inside is inside and what's outside is outside. And then you have, okay, now it's confusing. How do we view it when the animal eats it, all, eats it all up? But do we go after where it started or do we go after where the animal ate it? But that, that's, again, that's with the pile of grain. And because each grain has it. Now it's past as long. So wherever it starts eating it, it's automatically going to follow there. And that's why Rabbi Chia says you go after where the animal is. Because the aspasta follows where it is automatically. Interesting. We're almost saying this aspasta that's long has a dual nature. But again, it's unlike little pieces of grain or something like that, which do not automatically follow the piece of grain next to it. Um, again, aspasta would almost would automatically well, follow. Uh, that that's I was thinking of like a, a long thing of cane. Yeah, I don't know. The animal sitting there nibbling as yeah. it's coming towards it. So that's when the animals in the Rishus Harabim all the time. So we view the Aspasta then as in the Rishus Yeah, yeah. Okay, och, then we go on to the next line of the Mishnah. Now, och, luxus, if you'd ate um, clothes. So now, just to follow the structure of the Mishnah to understand this next point, um, we said that if the animal eats what's normal to it, high fruit and vegetables, then it's muad, it's shape. If it eats clothes or kalim, it pays half damages. When is this? Bishus Hanizak in the Nizak's property of Bishus Harabim Potur in the Rishus Harabim Potur. Now, is this Bamed Vorim Amurim going even on where the animal ate clothes, which is Mishune? Do you see that? Because we said two cases. We said the case of it eating food and the case of it eating clothes. And we said if, the, if it eats food, it's full damage. Clothes is half damage. And then we said this is all in Rishus HaNizak, but not in Rishus HaRabim. So, hey, which case is it going on? So he says, Omar Rav Akula. Rav says it's going on the whole Mishnah. Now it's just a little bit difficult. Why? If you're telling me that if it eats clothes, they should take clothes, for example, that's unusual and you're paying Chatsi Nezek, well, then he should be liable in the Rishus Harabim. Why does, why does the Mishnah say exempt? My timer. It says, Very important principle. Anything that is... that Anything that is... I'd say translated as in the wrong, but anything that's behaving differently, and something comes... And now it has, behaves unusual towards it... The second one is exact. Uh, what was your shirt doing lying in the Rishus Harabim? So that's unusual. So if an, act, if an animal comes along and eats it, he's acting unusual on something that you didn't really have the right to do, and therefore you would be exempt. Again, the difference for us, the Rishonim is that what's the reason that Kolamashane, Uvo Acher, and then a second person or second animal comes, Vishinabo and Dashinu, he would be potu. Um, again, so, so what's the spora behind that? Why are you liable? And the one explanation is you brought the, you bringing the damage on yourself. Again, but why are you leaving your shirt in the middle of the street? Again, it would be interesting. What happens if an animal walked past and ate the shirt off your back? Uh, for whatever reason, the donkey walked past and grabbed your shirt and started eating it. So there, that would be... There, no, you're not mashane, not negligence. That's mashane. But you were allowed to be there, so you weren't, you weren't Mashane first. So you can't say that the guy brought his damage on himself and the owner of the donkey or whatever it was would be liable to have damages. But if you left your shirt on the floor or something like that, you were Mashane, you bring in the damage on yourself. Almost like, uh, uh, in my mind, it's kind of like the concept of, uh, we'll see in Bab Matia, Aveda Midas. If I leave something on purpose, then that's basically Hefgen. Not going into that, it is healthcare. I, uh, I don't know. I have. I bring breakfast, and then I finish my breakfast. I come leaving this fruit chair. Haven't forgotten about it. I put it there. So that's an avayda mida. I said so to you. You leave your shirt in there. You should You kind of say, okay, I'm, uh, I'm bringing damage. Whatever happens to it, it happens to it. Okay, so that's rav. Again, when even if the animal, whether the animal eats, even if the animal's eating these clothes in Rishus Harabim, it is, and it's paying chatsi nezek. So you'd say it's carrying it's potter because the other guy's mashan and the other guy's changing. Kora mashane uvo acher v'shina bo potter. Ushmul amar lo shana ela peiros v'yarokos. No, Shmuel says we're going on peiros v'yarokos. Aval ksus v'kelim chayeves. But if it eats clothes or vessels, the owner would be liable. Again, that's because normal rules of care and apply. 
the animal's acting unusual for unusual damage is liable. But as the Reish Lakish, the time Reish Lakish is following his general opinion, the Amar Reish Lakish state poros perushus harabim achas ruvutz va'achas mahaleches. If you have two, ad- oh sorry, sorry, I've, I've, I've skipped a line. But that's Shmuel. So we have a machloikes Rav and Shmuel, and we're now going to bring a whole lot of opinions that fit in either with Rav or Shmuel. Um, pardon. I, I can only read the English, but Rachel, says... No, so I, mis- I haven't done Rachel Lokish yet. I haven't done Rachel Lokish yet. Um, but again, there's this Vachloik as Rav and Shmuel. Rav says it's on all of it. Shmuel says it's only on the fruit or vegetables. Again, this that you exempt. Again, Rav gives us fora because of Kolamashano Vachaveshino Bopotur. And Shmuel comes along and says, no, it's only that line that you exempt in Rashus Harabim is only regarding the normal clothes to eat, garments and utensils, you would be chavid rishus harabim like Karen. V'chein omer eish lokish, akula sotu eish lokish says it's going on, all of them. V'ozdo eish lokish, l'tamer eish lokish is going according to his understanding, the omer eish lokish. Shtay poros perishus harabim of achas ruvutza v'achas mahaleches. If you have two cows in the rishus harabim, one sitting down and one walking along, and the one that's walking along kicks the ravutza, ravutza, the one who kicked is exempt. But if the crouching animal, the lying down animal, kicks the walking animal, he's liable. Again, what do we see from there? For the animal to lie down in the middle of the road, he is. What's he doing? He's being acting strange, abnormal. Therefore, he's kind of bringing the damage on himself when the other animal walks past and kicks him. Yeah. And so, so that's that's Reish Lokish, and that seems to be, uh, and that fits in very well with Rav. Um, interesting now, so I was thinking if someone stopped on the highway. Yeah. Okay, not such a straightforward example, but what would the halacha be in that case? So the Rebbe. You, uh, you let your dog out the highway, and he goes and sits on the highway. Yeah. The Rabbi Yochanan Omar peiros v'yorokos. That is fruit and vegetables. Avalksus v'kelim chayeves, but you would be liable. So Rabbi Yochanan is going like Shmuel. Are you going to tell me Rabbi Yochanan doesn't agree with Reish Lokish in the case of the two cows? Again, this is a case from later on, but Rabbi Yochanan seems to agree with that. So why, why all of a sudden? So how's he going to explain that? Again, according to Reish Lokish, we said this for it said, So how's Rabbi Yochanan going to explain it? It says, no, no, he does agree with Reish Lokish. However, Ksus Avdi Inchi, People, when they want to rest, they'll take off their jacket and put it down. It's a boiling hot day. You're walking, you're walking somewhere, so you'll put it down for a few minutes. And therefore, it's not considered unusual for the clothes to be there. But for an animal to just sit down randomly, stop crouching down in the middle of the road randomly, that is not normal. Okay, and now we come on to another sugya. This is this sugya. One way to look at it and think about the sugya is when the Torah says you're liable for damages, is it for the damage you caused, or is it cause? No, I forgot. Is it? Uh, the other one would be because of, in certain scenarios, is it because of the damage you caused or is it because of what you gained by doing that damage? So, we said if the animal gets benefit, he pays, sorry, if the animal ate food in Rishus Harabi. So, he said he's exempt from paying for the damage he caused because it's shame Rishus Harabim, but he's liable for the benefit he gained. Of the kama, what, how much, how do you evaluate what's the benefit that the animal got, that the owner got by his animal eating this food? 
So Rabbi Omar Demay Amir, Rabbi said the value of straw, either the cheapest food that the owner would have spent him, would have spent on this animal. Rabbi Omar Rabbi says no, the value of cheap barley. I, how they explain it is, again, my animal ate your, I don't know, strawberries, which are very, strawberries are very expensive. So I would never have fed my animal strawberries. But at the end of the day, I got a good meal of strawberries. So it saved me money. I don't have to now buy my animal lunch. So how much, how much has it saved me? So according to Rabba, you came up and say, well, I would have got it the cheapest lunch possible. I would have got it straw. According to Rabba, nah. If you get a deal on barley, you're definitely going to feed your animal barley. So if you have cheap barley, cheap barley would be the amount that I'd feed my animal and that's what I've saved myself. So a little bit more expensive than what Rabba is talking about, but obviously far less than the damage. Tanya Kavaisek the Rabba, I didn't get a chance to look into exactly this fora, but I think um, I think it comes down to let's see a bit further, maybe it will clarify it a little bit. Um, Tanya Kavaisek the Rabba, there's a Bryce sorry, there's a Bryce in line with Rabba. Tanya Kavaisa said the Rabbah, and there's a price in line with Rabbah. Tanya Kavaisa said the Rabbah, where do we see a price in line with with Rabbah? Rabbi Shimon Yochai Omer, Ein Meshalemes Ela Demai Ami Bilvad. Again, if your animal eats food in the Rashus Harabim, you only have to pay the value of straw. Tanya Kavaisa said the Rabbah, there's a price in line with Rabbah. In them, there's Meshalemes Mashenenes. If you actually gained from your damage, your animal ate and now you save money, you pay what you benefited. Kate how would you do that? If it ate a kavokavayim, you don't say pay the full value of the kav or the, the full value. You give how much would the person feed his animal? What is ro'ulo, what is most appropriate to feed the animal, I barley, afal pishainorogil, even though that is not the normal amount. Just interesting, I think Rob is saying not, I think what you can deduce from this brysa, it's not even on the type of food that the animal ate, it's even on the quantity. If, I, if my animal ate, let's say barley, let's say cheap barley, but it ate two helpings, and I would normally only feed my animal two cubs, and I would only normally feed my animal one cub. I only have to pay you the value of cheap barley, one cub of cheap barley. I don't have to pay you two cubs. Because why, why do I see that? Because it says, Don't pay their value. Why is it bringing in the volume of what it ate? It should just say, if it ate wheat, which is more expensive, or some sort of vegetable that is more expensive. Instead, um, it doesn't say pay there, it says it's, it brings a volume, so I think it would include volume as well. The Therefore, if the animal did eat wheat or something that is bad for it, I where the owner gets no hanao, patura, it's exempt. And I don't remember why, if it eats wheat, you're exempt. Is it? Yeah, I think. Okay. Um, so, that's the meal, it's not great for the animal. I've got. Um, I don't have a chance to study it, but it seems like the Numu says because it's very unusual for it to eat wheat. It will when it's starving. But it is, it is quite unusual. Yeah, well, we. Will we discuss? Um, Others won't. Yeah. Well, that's what we. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, but it depends. Yeah. So it depends what it is. Omar le Rav Chizda le Rami Bar Chama. Rav Chizda said to Rami Bar Chama, "Lo havis kavon beurta betchuma. You weren't with us in the tchum last the, this evening. Remember, the tchum is where you're allowed to be on Shabbos. So Rav Chizda wasn't able to be there. Rashi here. Um, so." Um, Rashi brings other, so you weren't able to come to the, the Rebbe's Tish and have a good uh, halachic discussion that we had. 
Or he says the Tchum actually refers to the base Midrash. Um, it seems because they used to try to set up the base Midrash as central to many what, villages or cities as possible so everyone could walk there on Shabbos. Because it has to be within the Tchum. So, but either way, you weren't with us at the discussion. We raised some very interest, very excellent points. Omar, my Milia Malyosa, what was the discussion? So, Omalei, Hadar Bechotze Chavere Shalomi Dato, Sorich Lo Halois Loscharo, Ein Sorich La Haloi, or Ein Sorich, if you stay in your friend's house without his awareness, do you have to pay him the rent that would be due, or do you not have to pay him? And now we're going to establish the case. But what we're coming on to now is a very interesting discussion of. If this one gains, but this one doesn't lose out. Very similar to what we've been discussing now. If the animal eats uh, strawberries in Rishus Harabim, you gain not having to buy your animal food, but that one actually lost much more. He lost uh, a whole thing of strawberries. Um, but so this is similar, but not not exactly. It says, Hey, if you want to tell me it's talking about a case, a house that the guy doesn't normally rent out. And it's also someone who doesn't normally rent out. He has enough houses. He has his house in, he has his apartment in Johannesburg and his apartment in uh, Cape Town. And he goes to Cape Town and he stays in your flat. Now you normally stay in your flat, you don't rent it out. And he normally stays in his flat, so he's not gaining, he's not gaining financially by staying in your flat. So the one's not benefiting and the other one's not losing out. So obviously you would not have to pay in that case. Look again, they point out, obviously I could come to you and say, oh, you want to stay in my apartment? Okay, pay me rent for it. But this is all like kind of after the fact. So let's say it's a case, so it's an apartment that's normally rented out, and it's someone who would normally rent an apartment. This one's gaining and this one's losing out. By you staying in the... So, so again, you have this guy who has this flat in Cape Town, and he normally Airbnb's and B's uh, rented out during December, and now you went and stayed there without telling him. Now, normally you would pay for an apartment in Cape Town in December. So what's going on here? You're gaining by staying in the apartment and not having to pay rent. Who's losing out? Because he would normally rent it out. The one question on this is, oh, but he doesn't have a tenant. So there's a simple answer. If I, I would love to rent out your flat, but I saw that uh, so-and-so is staying there. I saw it was occupied, so I didn't bother getting in touch with you. So you will lose out if someone's staying in your apartment, even if you don't yet have a tenant. Um, so, so, what, so again, what's the, this, this, this brilliant discussion they had where we said if someone stays in his friend's uh, apartment, does he have to pay for it? He says, what's that? If the case must be an apartment that's not normally rented out, but this guy does normally rent out an apartment to stay in over December. So he's my what's aloha. Motsi Omale Maichasartiho. Can the one who gained the squatter yeah. put in squatter, the tenant in inverted commas, yeah. can he say, Well you didn't lose anything? Oidilma Motsi Omar is Hanis. Or can the one other one say to him, Yeah, but you benefited. You gained a thousand rand a night, whatever it would cost to stay there. Someone just showed me that their child stayed in, a, in one of these like mansions in Camps Bay, 22,000 rand a night. So you gained 22,000 rand a night by staying in my mansion in Camps Bay. So you gained. So now, interesting, this is the amazing question. Dugov, did the guy lose? He didn't lose anything. No one was staying in the... He never rents out his house, his mansion in Cape Town. Never answered up. So he didn't lose anything. He wasn't going to get that uh, 22,000 rand a night anyway. However, or do we say, you gained from it. And therefore, you should pay for the gain on that you made of my property. So, yeah, so what the one?
Yeah. So Omar Lay, he answered him. He said, Ah, it's not such a big, not such a good question. So again, this was um, where was it? I forgot the name. It was Rav Chizda to Rami Bar Chama. So Rami Bar Chama says, Manisini. It's a Mishnah. So he says, Hi, Manisi. Which Mishnah do you say it is? Um, oh, we just left out. We discussed three cases. We discussed where it's an apartment that the guy doesn't rent the apartment out, and it's a guy who doesn't normally rent an apartment. So neither is gaining. We discussed where the one he does normally rent it out, and the other guy normally pays for an apartment. So, and we discussed the third case of where he's not losing anything, but the other guy is getting benefit. We missed out. There's a fourth case. What's the fourth case? Where it's an apartment that's usually rented out, but a guy who doesn't normally rent an apartment. So what would you say in that case, just before we go further? So interest obviously is discussed. Tosos on the previous page discuss it. And he says there, there's no payment as the squatter's not benefiting. And the damage, and how's he damaging the other guy? Groma. Because how's he causing this damage? Firstly, he's not gaining anything because he doesn't normally rent an apartment. But, and how's he damaging him? By stopping someone else renting. So it's a very indirect damage. Therefore, he would be exempt. That's how Toysos learned. The Rosh says, and I think the Rosh is following the Ritva, the, the Rif says that he must pay as he gained from his grommer. Very interesting. Uh, another important point, and this I think is slightly leading us to understand the score of what's going on here, is sometimes, it's ju- sometimes you cause damage with no gain. You have a car accident. You, uh, your animal goes and gores someone. There's no gain there. That's very different to shame or this case that we're discussing where there is a benefit. So where you actually gain, and I looked at the Rosh last night, but it was a little bit more complex than I had time for. Um, but where you actually gain from the damage you caused, even through a grommer indirectly, you have to pay for it. And that's how the, that, and that's why. So this, the fourth case is actually a machlokis rishonim, whether you liable or not. Okay, but back to our case. What was our case that we're saying that Rab, I keep forgetting his name. The, the one I just discussed was the fourth case. But in the, the third case, why well, I'm calling it the fourth case is because the Mishnah discusses three cases and then there's the first case. So the, but the case that we're discussing now is where Zenene, I'm sorry, where it's, um, it's a chotze that is not normally rented out, but it's a person who normally rents out. So he, the guy's not losing, but the guy is getting benefit. The squatter is getting benefit, the guy's not losing. So what would you say in that case? So that's Rav Chizda told Rami Barachama this, and Rami Barachama says it's a, mi- a Mishnah. It says, in which Mishnah? So Amalei. The key to Shameshli, if you do Shimush to me, then I'll tell you the answer. I, when you act shimush like a student, you act like a student who helps his rabbi. Uh, a student is, to a degree, should act like a slave towards his rabbi. So your rabbi needs help carrying something. Your rabbi needs help folding. Do it. So that's what he says. Shokal sudra bekarach like. So he took his uh, jacket and he folded it for him. Folded his talus for him. So he says, so to act as a student. I'll come back to that. So Amalei, and he said to him, Im nehenis, mishalemis mashenenis. Amisha says, if you benefit, you pay what you benefited. So we would say the same thing here. If you benefit from your friend's property, you have to pay for it. Just, I'm uh, if you benefit from it, you pay for it. So he says... Um, just, oh, sorry, I left out a very important point. Is wouldn't we normally say this is midastom Your friend's gaining and you're not using anything. That's how Sodom acted. That you make someone pay for even when you're not losing out, you make them pay for what they're gaining. So why all of a sudden, and we have a principle koifin on midastom. If Jews are acting in Mirastom based in and are allowed to enforce the halof, enforce the law that they're not following. So isn't this Midastom? So so that's what I think that's the in a way that's the 
that's his claim is you benefited from my property and therefore it's Kofi Amirastom, you must pay. Whereas the other one's saying, I didn't lose out. Sorry, you didn't lose out and therefore, sorry? I'm saying it the wrong way around. Um, okay, but the, the commentaries discuss this of the, but that, that almost seems to create the tension. If I benefit from you, it's almost obvious I should pay. However, if you could establish it as a case of Kofi Amira Storm, then you have good grounds to say that you should not have to pay. Um, okay, so, sorry, now back to where we, so it's a very important uh, principle to see exactly how, um, oh, sorry, sorry, so why, yeah, yeah let, let me go back, let's go. So just look at Toysos, the top Toysos, now it's coming back to it. There's always I feel that I'm on top of a pericama, so, yeah, sorry, I had a bomb mitzvah last night. Tuesday afternoons are out of an hour of so I was only preparing very late. So that's why things are a bit uh, rusty for me. Um, even according to the opinion in Perek Babasra that you can force, Bazin can force someone to pay in a case of Midastom. Okay, and it's a machlokes there because at the end of the day it is just and therefore it might not be generous. But it's just, or uh, is it just? So it's, and he has to give him the one on the other border. Okay, that's the case in Babash. But it says, shiny hacha. Here it's different. He would be allowed to stop him from the outset from living in his house. I, there'd be nothing wrong with me saying, oh, you want to stay in my apartment? I don't want you to. I'm allowed to do that. Therefore, when you did stay in my apartment, even though I didn't lose out because no one was staying there anyway and I never normally rented out, I never rented out, you did benefit. So it's not, that's why it's not Kofin Amirastom. Okay, but uh, that's, so that would be the starting point of the discussion, I remember. Okay, so that's very good. Um, again, why don't we say it's Kofin Amirastom? Your friend's gaming and you're not losing anything. Is it a midastom to not let him have that game? No, because you have, could have uh, prevented him from getting that game in the first place. So therefore it's not midastom, and therefore you'd be allowed to. Again, if you pass it like, like the second option. So he says, so again, so he said, do shimush, and then I'll tell you the Mishnah. And the Mishnah is our Mishnah. <coughs> the Shimon Shkop gives a beautiful idea in his introduction to Shara Yosho. It's worth, uh, it's worth learning that introduction for many, many reasons. But the one point he says, he says, Half of your appreciation for Torah, or, or is, or for the Torah you're learning, is if you appreciate the person who's giving over the Torah. If I think I'm sitting in a chair of an average person, I'm not going to take the points he says so seriously. I'm not going to be able to learn to the same depth and beauty if I think I'm sitting in a chair of a goddle. Oh, that's a wonderful Talmud Chacham. Let me sit and listen. I'm not going to give names, but I can, now that I'm mentioning it, I can see Shirim that I've listened to where I'm like very, uh, I get very little out of it because I didn't no, take the good. person giving it seriously. Oh, and other well, Shirim won't take it, but okay. Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm sure we all know. I don't appreciate the person or they speak. Shirim are brilliant. So that's, your, so that's this point. So, so he says, that's why he says, I want you to serve me. When you act as my Talmud, you'll take what I'm saying much more to heart, much more seriously. You'll analyze it, you'll investigate it. It's interesting that Rosh Shimon Shkop saying that my dad's Rosh Shiva, Rabbi Yisrael Gustman, was a Talmud of Rosh Shimon Shkop. And he said, he told me, my father told me, he told him, he said, he doesn't know what he prefers. Is mine during, during the term in Yeshiva or Baina's mine? Because during mine, he gets to hear Shirim from Rosh Shimon Shkop, which is halacha, it's, it's, straight, it's, it's straight from Sana, it's from Sinai. It's, it's, it's listening to the Torah straight from Sinai when you listen to a shiva of Shimushkov. He's ready. But, you know, he's bound. He has to learn what the yeshiva's learning. He has to keep to the yeshiva's story. In Bainazmanim, he can learn whatever he wants for as long as he wants. So therefore, he doesn't know which one he prefers. Um, but as it's, it's, it's interesting that he had that appreciation. He says, when I'm listening to Shirim of Shimushkov, it's like I'm listening to uh, the Torah given straight from Sinai. But, okay, so, so that's how he explains this. When you're listening to someone, that's, it's, it's an important point. When you take what the person's saying seriously, even if it's an idea that you are on the surface dismiss quickly, 
you apply yourself and you much more invested in it that you actually learn much more from it. So it's a homarova kamaloi chayil. And that's interesting because that's what, and this is perfect because that's what omarova kamaloi chayil velo margish gavre de marisiaya. Ah, a person whose master is there for him, a person who Hashem's looking after, doesn't have to worry, worry about anything, he doesn't have to worry about sickness. Because it's not at all similar to our Mishnah, and yet Rav Chizda accepted it. Rav Chizda took what Rami Bar Chama seriously, and he took and he said, ah, Rav Chama, he accepted Rami Bar Chama. And this is Rav the same, but he should not have. Why? He says, Hi, Zen Chosar, Hi, Zen Our Mishnah is a case where this one benefit and the other person lost out. When my animal ate your strawberries, I gained a meal, but you lost out. So that's why I have to pay. Here, it's a case where this one benefits. By staying in your house, I benefit, but you don't lose out. No one was going to pay you. You weren't renting it out anyway, so you weren't going to make money off it anyway. So how could... So that's what Rob is saying. This <laughs> Rami Barhamma got away lightly by Rabbi Chizda accepting this. Of Rami Barhamma. So what was Rami, Rami Barhamma thinking? He says, Stam harabim Regular Paris in the Rishus Harabim are basically Hefker. What? You know, if you leave a basket of fruit outside, I mean, again, in those days there was animals walking out, but even now, you know, you leave a box of uh, oranges in the parking lot. Everyone's going to come and take it, and you're not going to have anything left. So you basically have to. Tosfos point out, obviously, we don't mean literally have care, because if it's have care, then how's the guy suing you for damages? Yeah. So it means kind of like have care. I know that if I leave something in the street, I leave something outside, it's going to get pushed, it's going to get damaged, animals are going to bump it, people are going to bump it, it's going to get dirty, and therefore it's going to lose value. So I've kind of, not, not literally, but I've kind of made it have care. So stampora, so that's what, so that's, so that's why not, not that it's real hefker, but it's kind of like hefker. Hefker ish. ish, and therefore the person's in a way sacrificed it. And therefore, that's why in the Mishnah he can't sue for it. He, you would say it's he's not losing out because again he is on a technical level he's losing out, but on a I don't know a psychological level how he feels about his property, he's not losing out because he never expected. When he left this pile of, gra- of strawberries in the Rishus Arabim, he never expected to come back later and have the same value strawberries. They would have been bumped, squashed a little, etc. And therefore, he's, he's, uh, it's not, he's not losing out. Now we're going to bring another case that's relevant to this. Tonight we learned in a Mishnah, Hamakib Chaverim Misholosh Ruchos, the Godor Esarishoyna, the Esashne, the Someone surrounds his friend's field on three sides, and he puts a fence between them on the first, second, and third side. Ein Mechayvin or so, he can't obligate the middle one. If you see in your margin, Rashi's got a picture of how it is. You've got Ruvain's fields on three sides and Shimon's field on the inside. So Ruvain built those perimeter fences between him and Shimon. Those are the inner fences. And then he wants to sue Shimon for half of the fences, for half of the walls. You know, normal, normal laws. You're building a wall between two properties. Each side has to contribute. So he says this, um, he can't obligate him. Why? Basically because Shimon can say, my property is not fenced in. You haven't helped me. Because look, it's still open on the fourth side. So that implies that if he does fence in the fourth side, he could obligate him. We see from here, if this one gains and this one doesn't lose out, you're obligated to pay. Why? Because Ruvain was going to fence his field anyway. So now Shimon's not losing out. Shimon's not losing, uh, sorry, Ruvain's not losing out, he was going to fence it, and Shimon is, and it's mashma that you would have to make, you could make Shimon pay. So Gomorrah says, no, shiny also, that's not good proof, because there's different to Omar Lay, Atko Martali, the Kefi Yaseira. You, Shimon, made me have to have an extra fence, this extra fence. I, if not for you, Shimon, I wouldn't have to put a fence in the middle between our properties. Because Shimon's right in the middle of Ruvain. So therefore, by the fact that I have to put the fence there, it's because of you, and that's why you're liable. 
another proof. If the nikaf, so that's the one being surrounded, if Shimon puts up the fourth fence, you can make him liable for everything. Timer the God and Nika for Makipotu, that implies that it's only specifically where the Shimon puts up the fourth fence. But what would be if Ruvain put up the fourth fence? He'd be exempt. We see the opposite from this price, and that if he this one gains and this one doesn't gain, he's exempt. So shiny hosam to Omar Lay Lejiji Sagili can come here, finish here. Um Lejiji Sagili um he says, no, nah, because the guy can say to him, I would have done a cheap fence. You put up this fancy wall or whatever. I would have like just put up one of those steel fences. I forgot what they call diamond interlock, whatever they call. I've just put up one of those. You went and put this fancy wall. I don't have to pay for that. Uh, for that. Okay, let's do another proof. If you had a, a, a lower story and an upper story that belonged to two different people and it fell down. So the one of the upstairs says, please build your lower story so I can build my upper story. Says, well, who ain't no right? And the guy says, you know, I don't want to. Says, hooray, balalia, boine, bias, we yoshe bo, achiiten lo yitzi osof. The upstairs owner can build the bottom story and he can live in it until he's been reimbursed for his expense of building that bottom story. You see, he's only liable for the expenses. It doesn't mention anything. However, he has to deduct rent for living in his friend's house. So what do we see? If this one gains and this one doesn't lose, this one doesn't lose out. He's exempt. You see, you don't have to pay for your, your friend if he's not losing out. He says, no, shiny, wholesome, the base of Lalu Mishtabet. Now, there's different because the bottom story is, is uh, Mishtabet. I don't know the exact, a good, I, had a good, um, I can't think of a good translation. The ground story is necessary. It's, he's bound to have his ground story house for the upstairs. Part of when I buy my upstairs, <coughs> And it's built on your downstairs. It's I, can't, I have a right to have the downstairs there. So that's what he's talking about. Um, and therefore, that's why I don't have to pay rent because you're not building your downstairs. Okay, Toshma Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Rabbi Yehuda says, even in this case, the upper story one can live in his friend's property without his awareness, without his permission. And he has to pay him the rent. Shvami nazen and evzelochos or chayof. You see that you are contributor. You are liable. So shani hasa mishum she she charurisa de ashaisa. Now there, because the walls are being blackened. What happens? You you move into a brand new house. Staying there is going to make it look secondhand. And you know you, it was beautifully newly painted. Just staying there makes the paint get a bit dirty and stuff like that. You move, but that's specifically this case because he had to rebuild the downstairs. It's a brand new house. So the guy is losing out. His house is devaluing. If it's a house that's been lived in for a few years or a few months already, when this guy comes and stays in it, he's not really blackening the walls. I, see, I, was, I was thinking about I mean, there is general wear and tear if you have someone stay. Okay, but there, you might be able to counter that with uh, there's also the advantage of having someone staying there and won't become dilapidated, etc. Um, okay, shiny hot on mission to Rebiami. You know what? I think let's leave it here for today and we'll continue with it tomorrow.